discussions into um, uh, this last Friday um, of the month. So I will try to do that. I, my plan was to discuss the three, what, what I consider three big obstacles, three practical obstacles that the, uh, the Vaishnavas have to confront um, in um, our practice of chanting the holy name uh, nowadays. And so the first one was sadhu ninda, which we, did, which we were able to discuss. And then the other two that I wanted to discuss were um, gururavagya, which is um, neglecting uh, or disrespecting the, the spiritual master, neglecting the spiritual master's instructions. And namno balad yasya hipapa buddhi, committing um, sinful activities on the strength um, of our chanting the holy name. So, um, and because uh, because uh, we are, are so constrained by time, my um, discussions will be brief. And actually, I would uh, consider it a big success if um, after having made some um, brief remarks on these two offenses, that we were able to have some discussion um, about these three obstacles among the devotees who are participating today. Um, as an old teacher, um, <clears throat> I'm a believer in uh, less lecture, more discussion in, in many cases. And um, my guess is that most of the devotees here have enough experience um, in the practice of bhakti yoga that, um, that you would have something to contribute in, in a discussion, even if it's questions, because the questions um, will help us address the things that, that are actually on the devotees' minds. Um, okay. So the third offense, actually, maybe I should pause here and uh, take shelter of my gurus, excuse me. Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militangena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangum Langhayate Girim Jatkripa Tamahang Vande Shri Gurun Dinataranam Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtang Stapitang Yena Bhutale Svayang Rupa Kadama Hyang Dadati Svapadanti Kam Vancha Kalpatarubhyas Chakrapasindhobhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha So the third offense that we should try to avoid in chanting the holy name is um, Gurodavagya, or neglect of the spiritual master, or neglecting to, um, to follow the uh, spiritual master's instructions. And there are a number of ways we can look at um, why uh, this is a difficulty, um, why not 
um, giving proper regard to the guru um, uh, can create difficulty in our practice of chanting the holy names. One, I think, is that when we practice bhakti yoga, it means we're taking shelter of bhakti devi. Ultimately, bhakti devi is, uh, is Srimati Radharani. And we find in um, the very beginning of uh, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Madhurya Kadambani that he makes um, a rather extensive argument as to just how independent Krishna is. And he establishes, of course, uh, by using uh, the scripture and logic that Krishna is absolutely independent. But he makes this argument um, primarily to make the point that bhakti is every bit as independent as Krishna is and is therefore free to go wherever she likes. But he explains how bhakti Devi works. She um, takes shelter in the hearts of those devotees who accept her from uh, the association of devotees, from another devotee. In other words, well, I'll develop this a little further before I uh, make that uh, assertion. So when, um, when we uh, find ourselves in the association of devotees, um, we accept the, the guidance of a spiritual master and under the guru's guidance, um, engage in, in our um, bhajan, um, bhajana kriya. So in a very practical sense, we, we can say that we get bhakti from the bhaktas. Uh, the Bhagavatam makes the point in a couple of ways that uh, bhakti has no cause other than herself. Uh, we see uh, early in the Bhagavatam that um, uh, that bhakti should be ahoituki and apratihata. So ahoituki means um, causeless, means it doesn't have any cause outside of itself. The Bhagavatam later says, I believe in the 11th canto, bhaktiya sanjataye bhaktiya, that we get bhakti from bhakti. Bhakti comes from bhakti. So how does that happen? We get bhakti from those who have bhakti in their hearts. So the uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains that um, when a Madhima bhakti bhakta who is inclined to share his or her bhakti with others shows kindness to someone else, that bhakti devi residing in that devotee's heart follows his or her lead and goes into the heart, takes shelter in the heart of that person to whom um, the uh, Vaishnava is very kind. So previously we discussed the um, danger, the importance of an avoiding um, sadhu ninda, um, uh, avoiding disrespecting Vaishnavas or sadhus in general. And there were so many reasons. Um, uh, among them that the Vaishnavas are 
particularly dear to Krishna. And if we're trying to endear ourselves to Krishna, which is, after all, what we hear from our acharyas should be our task. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur famously said that rather than trying to see Krishna, we should try to act in such a way that Krishna would want to come and see us. In other words, behave um, under the influence of bhakti, which is the most powerful force there is, which has the power even to attract the all-attractive Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, and to bring him under her control. So if this is the goal of our life, then um, showing disrespect or not even, uh, even failing to show the, the proper kind of regard for those from whom we get bhakti, um, doesn't seem to serve us very well in, in our efforts at, at uh, culturing bhakti, trying to grow um, bhakti in our hearts. So um, we, if we understand this, that the Vaishnavas, particularly the guru, um, has been deputed by Krishna um, as an agent of Krishna's Kripa Shakti, then if we don't uh, show proper regard to that agent, what he or she has to share with us um, may not uh, connect, fully connect with us. So this creates um, a, a difficulty in, in our appreciation of bhakti. Um, it, when, when we receive a gift, the, the main thing is not the gift, but the giver. A gift is actually a way of expressing our affection. Uh, uh, offering and, and accepting a gift. These are simply ways, priti lakshanam. These are ways of um, demonstrating the affection among uh, the Vaishnavas. So bhaktiya sanjataye bhaktiya means we get bhakti from the bhaktas. So how bhakti comes into our hearts um, is through the agency of Krishna's bhaktas and particularly the guru. The guru gives us the mantra and it's the mantra that, um, that uh, nurtures um, our bhakti. At the end of his um, collection of songs on Sharanagati, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has, uh, the last song is a Nama Mahatmya, a glorification of the holy name. And we find there that the holy name gives us everything. The holy name gives us our initial faith that gives us the association of devotees. It eventually shows us our um, own spiritual form and, and uh, eternal service um, to Krishna and brings us to Krishna's side um, in the spiritual realm, establishing us in that service. So we get the holy name, we get the sacred mantra from the guru, these principal um, uh, I find myself tempted to say instruments, but then that creates a, a problem that, that I think might be connected 
with the other offenses, particularly the seventh offense, which, which we'll discuss in a few minutes. Um, this, the, the, um, it's the specific means by which we grow our bhakti. It's the primary means by which we grow our bhakti, the chanting of the holy name. Um, it's extolled um, in all the scriptures as the most important um, of our practices. Hearing and chanting and remembering uh, are, are uh, the three most important, and among them, chanting the holy name um, is the, the most important, the most powerful. So if we don't take seriously the agent through whom we get the holy name, the agent through whom we get our connection with Krishna, that person who not just connect, who introduces us to Krishna, um, who actually places our hand in Krishna's, then um, what kind of connection are we going to have with Krishna? Krishna's, Krishna tells us just, uh, just the sadhus are more dear to him than anything. Uh, we see this throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam. We see this in the, uh, especially in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita and then again um, at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, that there is no one more dear to Krishna than those who share um, his innermost secrets with others um, according, um, according to their eligibility, according to their qualifications, according to their ability to receive that grace. Um, there is no one more dear to Krishna than those who share, those Madhima Bhaktas who share Krishna's um, shiksha, Krishna's own instructions, who share the glories of the holy name with others, who share their own um, bhakti with others. The, the guru's business is to share their heart with their disciples. Uh, I was just reading a, a nice quotation um, of Srila from, from my own spiritual master's divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, in which he said, he was talking about uh, the seventh verse of Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's Gurvashtakam. Yasya prasad sakshadharitvena samastha shastraya ruktastata bhavita eva shadvi. That the guru should be seen, um, should be, that the disciple should relate to the guru on the same plane as the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself, Shastra. and this is um, uh, supported by all the scriptures, by all the instructions of the sadhus. Um, so, um, and then he's, Srila Prabhupada, and he, he's emphasizing the importance of the disciples seeing the guru um, as, seeing the, the disciples seeing the guru, the disciples serving the guru as identical with serving the Lord himself. But then he makes the point that the guru doesn't see him or herself as um, the master. They don't see themselves as spiritual master. The guru doesn't relate to the disciples as someone for me to exploit, someone for me to use, someone for me to enjoy. Rather, um, Srila Prabhupada says, the, um, 
guru sees the disciples as his or her own spiritual masters. That Krishna has sent me so many spiritual masters to serve. Now that service is training uh, the disciple. Um, so sometimes that means uh, demonstrating how to engage in bhakti. Sometimes it means correcting, even castigating um, the disciple. Um, but still, the guru approaches that as service. The guru sees the disciple as an object of his or her service, his or her worship. So there is a, a mutual arrangement there um, of reciprocal affection and trust between the guru and the disciple. And to neglect that relationship is tantamount to neglecting our relationship with Krishna. Because the guru is the giver of that gift. Uh, the guru um, makes that relationship happen. I have some experience of bringing together um, uh, a younger uh, devotee couple. I happened uh, to have known both of these devotees um, well enough to think that, oh, this might be a good match. I, I have a relationship with, with each of these devotees and I very kind of gingerly, very carefully introduced them um, to each other over a period of time. And so I have a little experience of this. And, and um, the devotee, these two devotees have um, so much appreciation for my introducing them to each other that they practically can't get over it. It's a little embarrassing sometimes when, when they express it. And um, so this is how we should feel um, about the guru. The guru brings us, the guru gives us the holy name who brings us to Krishna's side. And um, so if we neglect um, that personality, it's essentially the same thing as neglecting our relationship with Krishna. Krishna is not gonna be impressed. The holy name will not be impressed if we neglect that relationship. So the first part of um, ensuring that we can avoid, the first step, I think, in ensuring that we can avoid um, this uh, particular offense is taking great care in considering who, is our, who will be our guru, who and on the guru's behalf, on the, from the guru's side, um, on, uh, discerning who is fit to be a disciple. This is a very um, serious relationship. And I have for many decades suggested that it's as serious a relationship as marriage. Now, maybe uh, we don't, maybe some of us don't take marriage particularly seriously and we may have gone through a couple. Um, but, you know, marriage is a relationship to help us that's meant to help us grow as human beings. And if we take it seriously, if we take that, that mutual commitment seriously, and we live up to the trust and affection that the other person reposes in, in us and fully appreciate the trust and affection um, that we receive from that person, then you have a very wonderful relationship that can last throughout your lifetime and that can make us feel um, like a full human being because 
we learn not just to accept love, but we learn to actually give love in such a relationship. And we learn to love in all kinds of circumstances. And so in our spiritual practice, we may encounter circumstances that are difficult, just as we do in a relationship, in any relationship. And so having a good relationship with the guru who can bolster us, support us, um, guide us, sometimes tug us through those um, uh, difficult um, periods in our practice, um, especially as we go through the stage of anartha nivritti, that can be a really bumpy um, part of our practice, having to deal with different kinds of obstacles um, that show up sometimes as a result of uh, offenses, sometimes as just as a result of our practice. Um, learning to uh, push through those, to tolerate uh, those obstacles, and then actually confront anarthas or false values that may reside in our heart that'll, um, that may slow um, our spiritual growth. Um, this can be a, a very um, troublesome part of our practice, um, painful even. Um, but um, understanding the guru's affection for us and the guru's confidence in us that we can overcome these obstacles um, and responding to that um, in kind the guru's business is to give, simply to give, to give uh, his or share his or her bhakti with the disciples to the extent that they're able to appreciate it, to the extent that they're able to actually receive it, actually accept it, uh, to give instructions how um, to grow that bhakti, uh, to give the benefit of his or her experience in, in, um, in, in doing so. And therefore, the, uh, it's, it's uh, incumbent on us as disciples, as prospective disciples, to be very um, discerning in um, un understanding who is a suitable guru for us. And Lord Chaitanya gives um, uh, Ramananda Roy um, a big clue um, uh, in the eighth chapter of, of the Madhilila of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says, it doesn't matter what social status somebody has. These things can be helpful. If someone, if someone is from uh, a higher class, um, for example, if you look at the Hari Bhakti Vilas, it's it's suggested that it may be good, uh, it may be a good idea to have a guru who is from a Brahmana caste. But the essential characteristic, the Swarupa Lakshana of the guru, is the extent to which he or she knows Krishna and understands the science of bhakti yoga. So Lord Chaitanya says to Ramananda Roy, as we know, kiba vipra kibanyasi shudra kenenoi jay krishna tattva sei guru hoi. Regardless of whether they're a sannyasi or a brahmana, a shudra or whatever someone's um, external status may appear to be, um, they are a guru to the extent to which they understand the science of bhakti yoga, the, uh, according to the extent to which 
they know Krishna. So uh, we need to be very um, cautious, just as we uh, would in undertaking marriage. Just as I see these two um, really nice devotees I know, they're very um, systematic, very cautious in establishing their relationship. And I'm more than a little gratified to see how it has grown over the last uh, last few months um, that they have been um, commuting, communicating with each other. And so the guru is always going to be pleased to see how the devotee is making progress in Krishna consciousness. Srila hmm. Prabhupada was famously asked in uh, the winter, late winter of 1975, when he visited Atlanta, after having toured a number of uh, temples in the Americas, um, particularly temples where the deities installed were Gaur Nittai, and there were so many devotees engaged in kirtan, Srila Prabhupada seemed to be progressively overwhelmed as he made this kind of whirlwind, whirlwind tour just before um, uh, Gora Purnima in 1975. And it culminated in, in Atlanta, where, as you can imagine, devotees from all over North America gathered, including all the bus parties, the BBT parties and the, the library bus parties um, of uh, Brahmachari and Sannyasi book distributors. And during one of his talks there in Atlanta, a devotee, if I remember, I wasn't there. Um, but uh, uh, Guru Maharaj was there, uh, Swami Tripurari was there, and many other devotees, maybe even some of the devotees in our Sangha were there. And one of the devotees, perhaps one of the book distributors, asked Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada, what would, what would please you the most? And I'm not the only person to suggest that you can imagine the devotees thinking something like distribute more books or double the book distribution or something along those lines. Srila Prabhupada's response was not that at all. Srila Prabhupada's response was that you love Krishna. What will please me most would be that you love Krishna. So that gives the guru pleasure to see the devotees, the disciples' relationship with Krishna growing, blossoming, just as it gives uh, uh, me pleasure to see these two devotees' mutual affection and, and confidence in each other um, growing. So if we neglect that relationship, if, if when the guru gives us some service to do, we don't take that seriously, we we make our own decisions to whether we want to accept that service, then um, that doesn't bode well for the growth of our relationship with Krishna. So we need to be very careful in understanding who is a suitable guru for me. <clears throat> the, uh, who is a suitable guru for me is very likely to be different um, from who would be a suitable guru for anyone else. Um, so there are so many things that we need to take into consideration, but the main consideration is um, how well that devotee knows Krishna and, and the science of bhakti yoga. 
So having, having um, make, made such a consideration very carefully, then we want to guard that relationship very carefully. So when Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur discusses the verse in the Bhagavad Gita, where he discusses how we can become completely focused in our bhakti, Vyavasayatmika buddhire keha kurunandana. This is a verse that Srila Prabhupada has discussed a number of times. Um, as a verse, especially after reading Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on this verse, that he took um, as being of central importance um, to his relationship with Krishna consciousness. And in his commentary, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says that this one-pointedness, this complete focus, this laser-like focus on bhakti is effected, is brought about by complete dedication to the particular instructions given by our guru to us, how we um, should uh, engage in our bhakti, just what is our pajan. So we know Srila Prabhupada um, received an instruction at the beginning and end of, of his manifest relationship with his guru. Um, uh, when he first met him, uh, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur looked at all the young men who had come <coughs> to hear from him. And he said, and this is probably something that he said to every group of young men that he met with, and it was probably mostly men, uh, considering um, this was West Bengal a um, hundred years ago. So um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur told him, you're all educated young men. Uh, so you should take this, these teachings of Lord Chaitanya seriously and share them with the, with the rest of the world, especially with those in the West. And then at the end, a couple of weeks before Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's um, appearance, uh, disappearance, Srila Prabhupada wrote Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada and lament, he was lamenting his situation as a grihasta, as a householder, a family man with responsibilities for his family, for his business that supported his family and, and also supported his service and the mission. And he said, I, so many of my God brothers, they're able to live in the mats and engage in, in full-time service to the mission. But I live outside, I have all these responsibilities. Is there something that I can do to satisfy you? And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur responded in the, in the same vein um, with which he first instructed him. And he said, I think if, if the, you're, you're, a very, you're a very good English speaker, I think it would be good if you were to um, share the teachings of Lord Chaitanya with the English speaking world. He says, that will be good for you and for them. So Srila Prabhupada took that suggestion very seriously, took it on his head as an instruction and, and took it so seriously, emptied himself as Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar uh, Dev Goswami has suggested, emptied himself of all desires other than to satisfy that instruction of his spiritual master to the extent that Srila Sridhar Maharaj accepts him as the Shakti of Avatar, as a manifestation of Nityananda's mercy, Nityananda's power. Um, so he went around the world sharing Bhakti Yoga giving away free samples of bhakti yoga um, with the full confidence that people who got a taste um, would, um, well, 
they would be they would get hooked. Um, I, I remember sometimes when when I was a boy that whenever there was a new brand of cigarettes out, there would be somebody out on the streets on the sidewalks uh, of the downtown areas, the shopping areas uh, of town, giving out little boxes of four or five of these cigarettes. Um, and the um, idea was that if people liked the cigarettes, then they would go come back and buy them. So Srila Prabhupada was making customers by giving away free samples, not just making customers. He was building a whole multi-level marketing scheme, the original multi-level marketing, the, the um, marketplace of the holy name. So um, we neglect that giver of that gift um, at our spiritual peril. So um, when the guru gives us an instruction, uh, we should take it very seriously. And we should show all regard um, to the guru, just as we would um, to um, the spiritual master. Um, the seventh offense is namno balad yasyahipapa buddhi. Um, this is also um, I think um, uh, 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 an offense to which devotees uh, sometimes find themselves susceptible um, to making. Um, so many of us grew up in uh, grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. I didn't, but I had. Um, of course, many friends who did. And part of their practice is um, the priests hearing of confession from the members of the congregation so that they can become purified of the results of the sins that they've committed during the week uh, in order that they might be able to um, accept the sacrament, be able to uh, take um, communion, partake of, of uh, communion, and which is, uh, uh, part of, the, I guess, their practice for connecting with, uh, with Christ. So um, I guess the idea is, and, and I remember from my boyhood, I don't know if, if this is still a practice among Catholics or things have become so um, liberalized that they don't even do this anymore, but um, the Catholics would not eat meat on Fridays, I guess, so that they uh, would be a little purified when they came to confession on Saturday so that when they took communion on Sunday, um, they would be uh, much less burdened um, with sin and therefore uh, more able to appreciate the gift of the sacrament. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up in the Catholic church, so I didn't um, have to go to the catechism classes that my Catholic friends did. So I, I really don't understand this particularly well. But Srila Prabhupada didn't <clears throat> have a very, a very high regard for this practice of uh, weekly confession because um, pretty much um, as soon as church is over on Sunday, uh, maybe after the lunch you have with your family after church, uh, then we go out and we start engaging in the same um, foolish activities. Um, that um, burden our subtle bodies um, with the, the reactions to, uh, to those activities that we engage in that um, are not conducive to spiritual practice, that are not conducive to actually um, 
progressive human life, much less um, progressive spiritual life. So Prabhupada didn't have a very high regard for this practice. He compared it to the elephants taking a bath. The elephant will immerse him or herself in, in, in the lake, um, cool off, get all nice and clean. And then as soon as they get out of the, the lake, they roll around in the dust. They th actually pick the, throw the dust um, from the ground um, all over their bodies. Now, this looks like a rather inefficient way of bathing, but um, they're not just bathing. It's all about keeping those um, enormous bodies cool in the hot climates in which they live. But <clears throat> anyway, it looks like a very inefficient bath that uh, we go bathe in the lake and then it's, we immediately go roll around in the dirt again as soon as we come out of the lake. The Srila Prabhupada compared, that, compared this to that. He compared it to the mm, material process of, of prayaschitta or atonement um, for offenses or sinful activities, which is not a, um, a very good way of dealing with these things. More even um, engaging in, in good karma is not the most effective way of dealing with bad karma. Of course, we know that we're also, we also become bound um, by our uh, bad karma. I'm in the process of training some new devotees, um, actually uninitiated devotees, not yet initiated devotees, in preparing to give Bhagavad Gita classes here at the temple in the evenings. And um, um, so we had a, what, what we were been calling practice practice classes. Um, we're going to have actual practice classes in the temple room next week. But we've been going up, <clears throat> kind of hiding ourselves in Srila Prabhupada's room here so that we won't be bothered by other devotees and, and we won't bother them. Um, so the devotees kind of giving, they're practicing giving classes. Um, just uh, to find their voices. So the woman who gave class yesterday talked to Rima. She brought up karma. <clears throat> and one of the other uh, devotees, when it was time for questions, asked about karma. And it took us a little doing to establish that karma can be a problem because it's also good. We engage in good activities and we um, have to um, reap the benefits of engaging in those uh, beneficial activities, and that also binds us to the world. So that's so when we she was talked about burning karma, and so my question was, oh, so burning karma also means um, having to go through uh, good things, and she said, yes, you know, we have to learn to tolerate even um, good things that happen to us. But when we think of tolerating, we think of tolerating inconvenience or difficulty. But we also have to tolerate, not be disturbed, not have to find our mind distracted um, by the good things that happen um, to us. We get the job or um, we close on the house or we get the mortgage paid off or become debt free or we have a new baby or something like that. So um, that we have to tolerate those things and not be so distracted by them as we find in the Bhagavad Gita. Because all these things, as, we, as Krishna tells us in the Gita, are um, the sources um, of our future suffering, dukkha, yonaya, evate, <clears throat> that they are the womb from which um, our, um, our suffering is, uh, is born. So um, 
So when we take shelter of the holy name, we understand that among the glories of the holy name, among the uh, different characteristics of the holy name, um, even that become prominent, even in the stage of sadhana bhakti, in the stage of uh, bhakti in, uh, in practice, are shubhada and kleshagni. Uh, kleshagni and shubhada. Kleshagni means that it um, destroys uh, the reactions um, to our past activities, the good and bad karma, not just the sinful. We generally tend to speak of it as papa, as sin. Um, but we also um, need to be um, wary of the, of, of the reactions to the punya um, as well. So kleshagni means it destroys, it actually destroys our bondage to this material world. And concomitant to that, it destroys um, the reactions to our past good and bad activities, which further bind us to this world. And Shubhada bestows um, all kinds of um, good fortune um, to us uh, in, in our lives, makes, makes our lives very, um, very fortunate, gives us happiness. So we, we, you know, when we understand that the holy name, uh, that, that the practice of bhakti can destroy the uh, results of our past sinful activities, we may think, okay, I'm gonna engage in bhakti, but sometimes I know I'm gonna slacken. Sometimes I know I'm gonna fall down. And um, when I do that, I can go back and take shelter of the holy name. But if we make the, and this is why I <clears throat> avoided, uh, tried to find um, a different word for using the, for, for the holy name, uh, for the practice of bhakti and the chanting of the holy name as our instrument for growing our bhakti. Um, because um, that kind of objectifies it, that objectifies the holy name. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to make it a tool by which uh, we improve our lives. We understand that it does that by, that the holy name does that by his own nature. Um, but if we think I am gonna use the holy name, um, when I slacken off, and maybe I even plan to slacken off, just like sometimes people have, uh, they go, may go on some restricted diet where they restrict uh, their intake of, uh, intake of calories, specifically of carbohydrates, or maybe they do intermittent fasting or something like that, but they build into each week a cheat day. Um, so they have one day a week where they can, you know, they don't have to observe, you know, if they're doing intermittent fasting, they don't have to observe that huge, like 15 or 18 hour win uh, window when they don't eat, um, where they can eat anything they want, anytime they want, that one day out of the week, because the other six days, their body is going to be um, burning fat like crazy um, because of their, uh, because of the intermittent fasting or the diet. You know, you have a diet, you have a day when you can have pasta and cake and ice cream um, because the other six days of the week you don't. So we shouldn't take that approach to our bhakti that six days out of the week um, 
I'm going to sit down uh, very tightly and chant good rounds, and I'm going to go out and sell a lot of, of, of bhakti books, or I'm going to do very impressive worship of the deity, or uh, spend, and then one day a week I'll um, I'll just go I'll just go nuts, bhakta's gone wild or something like that. Uh, we don't want that kind of approach. That casual approach to the holy name. Hmm that objectifying approach to the holy name, making the holy name an object for my exploitation. That's, that's a, a materialistic liberationist at best, um, and frankly, um, offensive uh, approach to the holy name. And that's something that we should avoid. The holy name is not something for there, uh, for there for us to use. Just as the disciples, the guru doesn't see the disciples as his or her to exploit, his or her to enjoy, but rather um, to serve, that they were put here for us to serve. So in our relationship with the holy name, then we, when we do fall, and we do inevitably, we, um, as Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains in, uh, has um, uh, Takur Haridas explaining to Mahaprabhu in, in Harinam and Chintamani, when we do commit offenses, uh, we make a stronger determination, stronger sankalpa, to avoid making the same mistake again. And every time when we do make those mistakes, um, it should be inadvertent because we found ourselves in bad association or um, um, somehow or other allowed our, allowed our determination in, in our practice to become weakened, generally by that association. Um, there's a, a verse in the fifth chapter, the 19th verse of the fifth chapter of the first canto of the Bhagavatam, where Narada Muni is describing um, in a few verses the un unique nature of bhakti, how bhakti is distinct from everything else including every other kind of spiritual, spiritual or spiritual-ish practice. And uh, that is that if we engage in, in karma or, or even karma yoga, we engage in jnana or jnana yoga, we engage in ashtanga yoga in order to realize the super. So we need to engage in these things perfectly. If we make a mistake, we lose the benefit. But as Krishna tells us in the Gita, we don't lose the benefit of our bhakti. It, there, nothing is lost, even if, we, um, even if we fall away from the path. And so in, the, in um, his commentary on that, his uh, commentary on that 19th verse, Srila Prabhupada makes the point a couple of times that those falls uh, would be, might be due to um, bad association or uncongenial association, association that's not conducive to the growth of our bhakti creeper. But um, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, a poor determination. I think the two may go um, hand in hand. We may um, see that our determination becomes weakened because of our association, or that when our um, uh, our determination starts to uh, flag a little bit, starts to slacken off a little bit, that we may find ourselves in less congenial association. As we've described before, when Srila Rupa Goswami talks about sadhu sangha, when he talks about the association of devotees, he 
um, uh, names three characteristics that we should be looking for in that association. Sajatiyashaya, Snigte, and Svatovare. So Sajatiyashaya means that they, these are devotees who share our spiritual aspirations. Um, cut from the same cloth, perhaps. Um, those who have a taste for the same, uh, for a similar service. Um, some devotees like to say like-minded, I prefer like-hearted, because I think that's more to the point, that gets more pun intended to the heart of the matter. Um, so sajatiya, um, uh, snigte, affectionately disposed, um, because the guru it will be, uh, deal with the disciple um, affect affectionately. Um, see the disciple as an object of service, not as an object of exploitation, not as an object of enjoyment. And svatovare, um, vara means superior, better. So we're looking for the association of devotees um, who share our um, aspirations, who share our spiritual aspirations, who are affectionately disposed and who are at least a little more advanced than we are because they can pull us um, along. So that kind of association will give us the strength to actually progressively commit ourselves to our practice without deviation. Um, so, so much um, uh, in our practice relies on the association with devotees. And so it's a good idea for us not to take those things for granted. So when we, um, when we do inevitably encounter difficulties in our practice, then um, we should find good association that um, that supports our um, stronger, ever stronger commitment um, to our practice, rather than looking for association which is superficially comfortable and um, uh, won't um, put us into a position, you know, where uh, you know we think, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I, I can't." Um, I can't go clubbing on Friday nights or something like that. But we want association that um, uh, encourages us to party otherwise those nights, to engage in, in the Sankirtan party, to gather with devotees for Kirtan and Harikatha. So we want association that gives us that, that, that action from which we can draw strength um, in our practice so that we won't find ourselves planning, especially this, and sometimes we've seen um, devotees doing this, that, you know, oh, this weekend we'll go out and then, you know, we'll, have, we'll go to the Sunday feast on, on Sunday evening and we'll, you know, find ourselves immersed in an amazing kirtan and, and become cleansed uh, of the reactions to the nonsense things that we do um, over the weekend. Okay, so it's late. Um, this is our last session. And so I want to leave some time for discussion uh, among the devotees. So if anyone has any comments, anything to add, any questions um, or any um, corrections that they make. One of my god brothers, has a, he has a couple of mottos. Um, one is, I, I live to be corrected. So I would be happy um, for any corrections as well. 
I'll, I'll stop now. And I believe everyone is um, able to unmute themselves so that we can have some discussion for the next few minutes. That's a very long silence. So I hope that means um, that those of us who've been meeting together on Fridays um, may have a better um, sense of these, <clears throat> I think, three um, prominent obstacles. Um, in um, our practice of chanting the holy names. I, I'm expecting, and I haven't had a chance to um, sit down and, and listen to any of his discussions yet, um, but I'm expecting that, that we'll get um, even better discussion, more detailed, maybe more nuanced discussion in Guru Nishta Prabhu's um, um, presentations on Bhaktivinoda Thakur's Hare Namachintamani, where he has... Um, uh, Takur Haridas instructing uh, Lord Chaitanya uh, as to how we can avoid um, these um, obstacles, these offenses which create obstacles uh, in the progress in our um, practice of chanting. I'm very grateful to Padmanabha Maharaj for um, engaging me like this. I'm extremely grateful uh, to Shamananda and Sakirati uh, for hosting on my behalf um, uh, to cover for uh, how <laughs> flustered I get um, when, if I miss something or, or, or do something wrong technically. And um, and very grateful to all of you for your company um, over the last several weeks. It looks like I have a break next month. So um, maybe that will uh, leave some time for me to come back and uh, sit down and, and listen to some of the, the, the classes that I've missed. And I'm particularly um, concerned about the Guru Maharaj's and Padmanabha Maharaj's classes that I've missed over the last couple of weeks um, since they've been in North Carolina. I really need to make time to get caught up on those because it's driving me crazy. I see pictures of Guru Maharaj sitting with his iPad uh, on top of a harmonium and I'm thinking, what the heck am I missing right now? What, what, what did I miss this morning? I got you know, I've got to find out. Uh, but fortunately, or unfortunately, my days are full enough that it's a task for me to make time to do that. So, thank you all so much, Hare Krishna. And we'll see you next time. And perhaps um, I'll be. This is a difficult time of the morning for me to to get online because it's just now. It's just after Mangalarti. I had to come over. After, right after Mangalarti set my computer up, get a little light up so that I was lit from the front rather than the back so I didn't look like some evil person. Uh, oh, especially with my little Van Gogh look here. Um, and um, so anyway, I'm, I'm really grateful to you all and um, I look forward to more of your company in the future. Hare Krishna. Thank you for the series, Maharaj. Um, and thank you all so much. I'm always happy to spend time with the two of you, even if it's just like this. And you've gone, you've gone from 
um, springtime in Costa Rica to, well, winter in Finland, the end of winter in Finland, which is still winter, I imagine. It's winter, yeah. <laughs> um, probably still not much sunlight. Jai. <laughs> okay, thank you all so much. Jai. Jai. Jai.